Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Appreciate you being here today. And uh, celebrating with us on this day. We don't take it lightly. And for... And we, I ain't even got started and I'm already being bossy. And I'm already getting rebuked and I hadn't even read the first, hadn't even read the first verse yet. Um, no, we, uh, as churches do this, we do this and 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 I know we do this in general and in heart more than one day a year but it's the least we can do is take one day a year and and do this and I have a few comments um, on what I'm going to say I'm not going to be here long but um, the one verse that we normally read on this day in Jeremiah when you read the beginning of that you read of a heartbroken God. He is speaking to his people. And the passage that we always read is Jeremiah 3.15. But when you go back and read that from 1 to 15, you read a very strong language. God does not pick and choose his words. He is speaking very plain to Israel, saying, this is what you've done. You played... And he speaks of a very strong word of what you've done, and you left me. And But what I want to do, I want to read the three verses previous to that. And you can just follow on the screen with me, if you will. And But what I want you to see, but what I want you to understand, is this is wrote from a heartbroken God, literally. You can read the sorrow in these verses. And in Jeremiah 3 and 12 goes like this. It says, Go and proclaim these words toward the north. Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Now he tells Jeremiah, he says, You go proclaim or prophesy these words towards the north. What he is saying is you go out of Judea and when you look north, you're looking toward Assyria. And in Assyria is a town called Babylon. That's where my people is at this time. You proclaim this towards my people that is being held captive for the sins they have committed. And you tell their backslidden Israel 
that I will not keep my anger for Israel for long. I'm not going to keep it forever. So that's what he's saying when he says, proclaim these words towards the north. He is saying, you speak it to the wind because I want my children to know even in captivity, there is hope in their captivity. Now, verse 13, he says, only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and has scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. God is saying, look, if you would just acknowledge that you have done wrong. He's telling Israel, don't be arrogant and say, what have we done wrong? You read in the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, even the priest is not even saying, where is the Lord? They was not saying, where is Jehovah? They was just saying like, it doesn't matter that we've done wrong. God is saying, first you need to acknowledge that you've done wrong. Now what God is heart stricken over is they have committed idolatry. And in scripture, that is referred to as spiritual idolatry. They have committed this idolatry against the Lord. And he's told them, he says, you have scattered thy ways. In other words, you have committed idolatry so much as look at what God referred it to. Under every green tree. Think about that. These are God's people. And God said, as numerous as the trees are, that is how much you have committed idolatry against me. And God says, and all I want you to do is just acknowledge you're going to another God except me. That's all he was asking Israel to do. And then he says, <clears throat> excuse me, in verse 14, turn, and now he calls them, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. And I will take you, one of a city, two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. Now here's God. His children is in captivity. And he's told them, for I have made a covenant with you. You are my children. You're being held in captivity. And literally, this is the way God puts it. This is not being made to the uh, children of Israel in the promised land. They are being held in captivity. And you have to reverse your way of thinking to understand this verse. He will take you one of a city and two of a family. Back in their days, the city was small and the family was a tribe. It was literally. So you have to think the city is small and the family is large. So God said, <clears throat> in captivity, if there is only one of a city... And two of a family that is left in captivity, I will take them and I will take you to Zion. God said, those that would return unto me, ever how small that number may be, I will take you to Zion. And this is how I'll do it. 15. I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you <clears throat> with knowledge and understanding. Now, what is truly unique to me in this verse is when you look in the Hebrew, the word pastor and the word feed is the same identical word. So God is not mixing words when he says the role of the pastor is to be. It is, <clears throat> thank you very much. 
the pastor is to literally feed the flock of God. This is not. God is saying this pure and simple. He will give you pastors that shall feed you according with knowledge and wisdom. So pastor and feed is the same Hebrew word. Now, he says they're going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. When you look in the Hebrew for knowledge and understanding, I found this very unique. When you look at knowledge on how many times it's used and understanding how many times it's used, understanding is used ten times more than knowledge. And I thought, you know, we relate to that so much in our day because we said all the knowledge in the world won't help you if you can't apply it. So God said, I will give you pastors according to my heart that will feed you with knowledge and not only knowledge, but give you the understanding on how to apply that knowledge. And I believe all God was asking them to do, this is why I believe so strongly in a monotheistic message, a one God message of the Bible, because it grieves God's heart so much when His people would leave Him and choose someone else, rather to go someone else to get try to something from another false god. And God would say, look, I'm going to give you pastors that's going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And I believe God was just saying, just teach them to love me. Just teach them to love me. That I will give them an understanding. I will give them the knowledge. But understanding is used so much more. It's not only saying that, yes, we believe there's a one God. But God said, I'll give you men to teach you how to apply that knowledge. Not to just said, I go to an apostolic church and somebody says, what does that mean? You know, I don't really know, but our pastor does. No, absolutely not. God said he would give of us his spirit. And through the anointing of the Holy Ghost that he would give to this man sitting right here and this woman sitting right here would feed us with knowledge. And not only that knowledge, with an understanding on how to apply that knowledge to 2016. That's what I believe. God said he would do it. He would feed us with knowledge and understanding. And I believe that is what the scripture is talking about. Because God, is, you could just read the grief. And God said literally... If there's only one in Babylon and two of a family, I'll take you to Zion. If nobody else wants to go, I will take you to Zion and I'll give you somebody to nourish you along the way. You will not go unnourished. I'll feed you along the way. Now, I've asked someone to do this today. I prayed. So, when we started coming here, this gentleman was 10 years old. So, I've watched him literally. I had him in Sunday school. I watched him grow up. I watched him marry. I watched him go through that. I watched him have children. And... And I just watched him face difficulties in life and go through trials and tribulations and and through it all. I watched him face it like a man. 
and face it like a godly man. And just have the courage and the strength to just put one foot in front of the other and just go. And so I wanted him to come this day and to share this time and to just come and share his heart because truly there's nobody that I could think of more fitting. And you say, well, I thought this was about pastor appreciation. It is. But I promise you, nothing is more rewarding to a pastor, and I would say to a congregation, to find someone that has accepted this role for themselves. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And one that we have seen with our own eyes, one of our own that has accepted this role, I know of no one here among us any more fitting to do this job right now than Brother Everett Bird. So I ask you to give him a hand in Jesus' name. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I feel honored to to stand here today because it's, it's just an honor anytime to stand here behind this this desk. <clears throat> Brother Ray said he was ten years old when I was ten years old when he came here. Um. I just I thought about it just to fit on the pew just a few minutes ago when he was saying that. Um, Brother Boyd was 10 years old when I came to this church. <laughs> because he's 10 years older than I am. So. so he was 10 years old when I was born and came here the very first time. I've, I've lived here all my life and I've been here. And it's what is an honor to stand behind this desk every time I stand behind here. It's humbling to me because... I've had three pastors in my life, and all three of them stood behind this at this place. Over 30 years ago, the founding pastor of this church baptized me right back there. And so he said, that's an honor for me. Every time I walk on this platform, it's not just another platform to me. Because I heard messages preached from this very spot, or maybe just a few feet back since we remodeled, but her messages preached all my life. Messages that brought me to the altar when I was just a child. But I remember messages preached every time I walked to this pulpit. And so and it's an honor for me to stand behind this place. Because I felt from the other side, and that's an honor to me. Today is... Throughout the years, as I said early beginning, Brother Boyd, I've been around him all my life. I can remember as a child growing up, him being the older and the young people. As some of these young people looks up to the older ones, I can remember him there. I remember when he left and him and Sister Boyd, they went on the evangelist field. And I went every time they would announce that they were coming back to preach a revival here or preach a service here. I look forward to it because it was somebody I looked up to growing up. 
So that was a, you know, that was somebody that I knew. That was a connection I had to the ministry as a child because he was someone from here. And as I heard people talk about him on the, throughout the years, he's a part of us. And he's still part of us. But I mean, he's, but like I say, as a kid, that was something I looked to, I was excited about because he was, he grew up in this church. For, 20, for 27 years of my life, he's been my pastor. We have laughed together. We have cried together. We've had some ups. In the good times, he's been right by my side. And through some of the roughest times of my life, he's been right there. Just like he has for very probably just about everyone in this building. He's been right there beside us. In the lowest times of our life, he was right there. A shoulder to cry on. Someone to lean on. You have in, Through the years you have entrusted me as with our Sunday school department. You've trusted me with our youth. And through, and through the years you've trusted me with jail and prison ministries. And, from, and you have trusted me to stand behind this pulpit. This sacred desk. And I don't take that lightly. Because when you, when a pastor gives you that responsibility, if it's a Sunday school class, he's turning his saints, his sheep that he's, he's entitled to feed, over to you to feed for that moment. And so I don't take that lightly. You have allowed me to grow in my ministry through each one of these experiences. And in the last two years, you've entrusted me to be the pastor of the daughter work in Madison. That is the thing that I felt in my life many years ago that I felt called to do that. But when you put your trust in me, and every time that you've, through the experiences we faced, I've learned that some of the, felt some of the things, as you say, you don't never know how to drive a car until you actually, you're sitting behind the wheel. You can drive it all you want to when you're on the passenger side. But when you start feeling the tug and the pull from that side of the the seat, it's a different experience. As a man, as from the Mana team, we have, you have allowed us to develop ministers, our ministries, because you have gave us the opportunities and guided us by example. So I speak for the whole Mana team because I think they feel the same way I do. That you've gave us the opportunities to stand behind this pulpit and other pulpits in other places and gave us that experience. Gave us and led us by the examples. Your love for people is something that I have prayed for throughout all my ministry. Something that I've, that I've prayed as I saw you love people. In the close relationship we've had, I saw words that you loved people. And I've prayed for that in my life. The biggest compliment I came to me a few months ago of my whole ministry. When someone said they saw how much I love people, I, that I truly love people. And they were sitting in the back seat of my truck when this guy said this. We was riding down Main Street in Madison. And when he said them words, I felt like that's what I want to see, that's what I wanted to inherit from my pastor. The love for people. 
It's the most important thing that we face every day. Hebrews 13 and 17 says, Only obey, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch over your souls as they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Today is, is we have you, we submit our rule to you because you're held accountable to speak that words. But to the congregation today, we're held accountable to do what he, he leads us. We're accountable to what He tells us to do. How He leads us, we, we're accountable to follow His leadership. Uh, the Bible concepts relating to a pastor, because of, of the times that we live in today, more than any other time in, the, in history, we need a minister. We need the ministry of a pastor. We need someone to stand true. Stand up when everything else is going around us. Because we need a man to lead us in this troubling world that we're all facing. Many of God's people have the wrong concept toward what a pastor really is. To them, it may be just an employee of a church. Or it may be just a team manager. Because we're all a team, sometimes people say. But he is, none of, he is all of these above. But who he is, is the pastor. It is anointed, anointed by God. Clearly separating from being a husband, a father, minister, painter, plumber, electrician, delivery man. And this list could go on and on. And our pastor does all these jobs. Someone very close to us both has referred to to you a couple times as Superman. Just maybe a couple times, or maybe a hundred or two. But <coughs> but sometimes we face we look at him as that because I, sometimes I wonder how you get everything done, how you see people take care of their needs. You're a Superman. You're a Superman in her eyes, and you're also a Superman in my eyes today, brother Boyd. You are you are a shepherd. His brother boy is the shepherd. He is a, has a heart of a complete shepherd's heart. You have a plaque over your door that reads that you go out, every, you go through this door every day. And I'm not quoting it. I'm just trying to, because I can't remember exactly how I quoted. I tried to look this morning, but somebody kept interrupting me as I was trying to memorize it. But uh, <laughs> since through this door, I passed through this door to to set my greatest challenge, and that is to feed my feed the sheep. And that is what you you do every day. You feed the sheep. My granny O'Neill always said, she said many times in my life, she says one of the her most favorite things about Brother Boy was he feeds the sheep. And every service, doesn't matter if it was a Sunday service, a Wednesday night service, Whatever time of the service, it didn't matter what, how old you were, from the youngest on the very front pew to the very oldest one in the back and all between, she said, he feeds the sheep. She told me as a, an advice in some of her last days. She says, be like Brother Boyd. Don't matter what service you're in, feed the sheep and God will take care of the rest. 
And so, so that, that, I drive, take that home with me every day. Just feed the sheep. And as her words, she said, just feed the sheep. No matter how old they are. That's the, that's your challenge. Is to feed the sheep. She, she said that was the true definition of a true shepherd. To take care of the sheep. And not just one or two, but take care of all the sheep. Through the years, I have watched how you have been there for saint after saint, family after family, during, during some of the roughest times of their lives. You always seem to have the right words of comfort during trying times. I've been with you where you spoke words to people that you didn't even really know. But you had a comfort word for the families and for the friends that was in that presence during rough times in their life. You have, you love, your love for people shows in everything that you do. Today is, as we, Brother Rayleigh's already mentioned, you know, we talk about pastors. A lot of times we refer to Brother Boyd. But as pastors of this church, Sister Boyd is part of that pastor. Just as, just as strong. And as, as I talked about the last two years, and I don't want to, I'm not talking about me today, but the last two years I've realized that more than any other time. Because if you don't have a, the, the wife, the pastor's wife there, she just does a lot of the stuff behind the scenes. She don't pastor the church, but she is that leader. She's that, the handmate, the one that's there to help you up and you get through everything. As Brother Boyd mentioned the other night, he was ready for his bride to be home. The last couple of days, I've found out what he meant. Because mine's been gone for two days, and I've been ready for her to come home. I said to somebody the other day, I said, it's quiet. He asked me how I've been getting along without him, and I said, it's quiet. But I'm ready for some of that noise to come back. But today, as Sister Boyd, is, I want to thank you for being that example. For my wife and for my daughter. Because you're who they look to. In times of trouble, they see how, and through your, through your life, you physically have, have faced some troubles. And I don't know how, how many times my daughter has said through the years growing up, even when she was younger, she looked at Sister Boy. And she said, even though Sister Boy is going through all what she's going through, she still holds her head up high. And so that's been an example to her to how to face trials in her life. And we want to thank you for being that for our young ladies and for our wives. I want to thank y'all both for your sacrifices that y'all give for this church. Your time and things, times you could probably rather be doing other things but you, you are committed to this church. And I want to thank you from that. A pastor's heart is protective. And he guards his flock from Satan's snares. A pastor's heart is attentive. And he seeks to know his people's cares. And you, all, you both do that so well. You protect us from Satan's spiritually. And you're attentive to each person in this church. The pastor's heart is sacrificial. And for his sheep, 
he will give his all. A pastor's heart is tender, and he listens to the Spirit's call. A pastor's heart is obedient, and he heeds the Master's commands. A pastor's heart is reflective. Just as the Scripture refers to the process of refining silver, we can see the reflection of God in your heart. 1 Timothy 5 and 17 says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Today, I, as the Scripture says, I hope you have double honor. Because I, you labor with the word and the doctrine. And I want to thank you for each one of you for that in our lives. For being bold enough to preach the word that's sometimes hard to preach. Because we need a shepherd that's not worrying about what we're going to think. If God gives you a word, we want you to preach it to us straight. We want you to teach, you want, we want us to preach the word without hesitant. Because that's how we need to hear it. The world we live in out there, they don't worry about how, what we think about what's going on. So today as a, as a saint of this church, I want you to preach the word straight, straightforward to me. Because that's the only way that I'm going to make it to heaven. It's because you pre- you're preaching and your guidance in my life. Today in closing, I just wanted to say this. I love y'all so much. And I, there's not words to say. How much I appreciate everything that y'all have done in our lives. So I'm going to turn the service back over to Brother Rayleigh and let him finish. Well, I appreciate that. And one thing that uh, I told him that I wanted to say, but I told him I wouldn't say it beforehand because I didn't, I didn't want to put no undue pressure on him. But... Uh, I don't know, a couple, two or three weeks ago, I was praying at the house and and just trying to find a mind of the Lord and and what to do. And so this is just me. Everybody's different. I remember Brother Tumman used to say he laid, you know, he literally laid before the Lord. But uh, so I had prayed some and then it's like I remember hearing one man say it. He prayed and then he hushed and he listen so it wasn't all about all about him talking it was he wanted to hear God talk so I was literally just trying to turn everything off and just meditate and then I prayed and I asked God I said what can I do give me this man's name so I believe this day I tell you what I believe in the Lord we love them with a passion that's that goes without saying but I believe it's also about the elevation of this man because he's doing a job that only God could put in his heart and we want him to be strengthened him and his wife both to be strengthened and anointed because this man knows the fact the challenges he's going to face 
So, and I thought after a while, who better to do this? I said, God, you really do know what you're doing. And so I thank the Lord for what he had to say. I appreciate his burden, him and his wife both. And I love Brother and Sister Boyd. And, and just, it goes without saying, just we love you as a church. And I know you might find this saying hard, <laughs> but mainly, maybe you'll understand it. An old show, I watch very little movies, really none to speak of, but I remember an old one, an old western. This guy has something done to him, and he knocks the two guys out, and he brings them up on a horse to a bunch of men sitting on a porch, and you can tell they're a bunch of southern people. So he's telling the southern people what they've done, and uh, they're still alive, but um, he's roughed them up pretty bad. So he turns around, and you can just, anybody that's been around guns, you can just tell the cock of a gun. And all you hear is about a dozen cocks. And he tells, the, he says, buddy, them's our kinfolk. <laughs> so it doesn't matter what they've done. <laughs> So this is thick or thin, it doesn't matter what life throws at us, what life throws at you. We're in this together. No matter what comes and no matter what goes, we're in this. Because as Brother Bird said, both of you have stood with us in hard times. So, as a church, through me, I will tell you, we will not abandon you, neither one of you. So, I'm going to ask the church, if we would, to stand, and we want to go out back and eat, and um, we want to pray, ask God to bless the food and the fellowship, and as they've already said about the kids, parents, just keep them in roping range. And uh, we just um, want to have a good time. And um, if you would, let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for what it's meant. We ask you right now, in the name of Jesus, to bless it, Lord God. We ask you to touch this day, Lord God. We ask you to bless the food we're about to partake of, to touch it, strengthen it, Lord God, as nourishment to us. We ask you to have your way, Lord God, to touch us, Lord God, to bless our pastor, brother and sister, boy, Lord God. Touch our church, and I ask you to anoint us, Lord God, as the edification of the body of Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.